Welcome to the U.S.-China Insights Podcast from the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, featuring short interviews with leading experts on timely issues affecting the U.S.-China relationship. A successful pandemic response helped reshape Taiwan's image in 2020. Could a new U.S. administration further change the island's prospects in 2021? Margaret Lewis explores the New Year's possibilities for U.S.-Taiwan relations, as well as the key issues facing the Taiwan government's domestic and global standing. Margaret K. Lewis is a professor of law at Seton Hall University. Her research focuses on law in China and Taiwan with an emphasis on criminal justice. Lewis is a National Committee Public Intellectuals Program Fellow. Professor Lewis received her JD, magna cum laude, from NYU School of Law, and her BA, summa cum laude, from Columbia University. She also studied at the Hopkins Nanjing Center for Chinese and American Studies in Nanjing, China. How would you say Taiwan's response to COVID-19 altered its global image in the months since COVID emerged? And how was Taiwan's pandemic response shaped by its government and institutions? Taiwan's image has been altered by the pandemic in a fantastic way, but I don't think it's been altered enough. I still think that many people outside of Taiwan don't appreciate what a phenomenal job both the Taiwan government and the people here did of responding to the pandemic in its earliest period. And there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, One is that you had a government that embraced and listened to science. In fact, the vice president at the time of the outbreak was himself an epidemiologist. And the minister of health here, Chen Shizhong, is basically a rock star and he deserves to be. Uh, And it was also, though, technology. You look at digital minister Audrey Tang, who worked to have apps and other sorts of technological interventions, and that involved the government and civil society. And of course, you had leadership at the top. President Tsai had the right people in the right places and listened to them. And the people listened. And so I'm grateful to be here. And it's quiet around me because my kids are at school. So do you think that Biden's administration, that his Taiwan policy, will be a pretty dramatic departure from the last four years. To what extent do you imagine Biden's stance on Taipei to be inseparable from his overall China strategy? I don't uh, want or expect a departure uh, in the Biden approach in the sense of a real shift. What I want to see is an evolution, an enhancement, and and some reevaluation, and really on, on two fronts. First of all, I think that we need to have more emphasis on a multifaceted relationship. That means that it's not just about the military side, but also the economic side needs to get more play. And under Trump, we have not seen the USTR, the US Trade Representative, be as enthusiastic as I would hope about looking about embracing a more robust economic relationship and perhaps something even resembling a free trade agreement. And I'm hopeful for that under Biden, but we will see. I'd also like to see more cooperation on matters of health. Uh, Again, the United States, I think, could learn much from how Taiwan has handled the pandemic and a number of other fronts. Now, with respect to how China plays into all of this, of course, any Taiwan policy is going to have China always in view. But there also needs to be attention on the U.S.-Taiwan relationship 
as a bilateral relationship without always having it be about China. And for that, I'm going to put in a little plug for a task force that I was on through the Center for Strategic and International Studies, CSIS, that was chaired by Bonnie Glazer, Mike Green, and Richard Bush. And there we outline a number of ways that you can look at the U.S. and Taiwan relationship without it always having to be about what is Beijing thinking right now. Uh, but I do think we need to be aware that Xi Jinping is very different than what the leadership looked like a decade ago, uh, and that the Biden administration is going to have to be very clear-eyed about what they're facing in Beijing and how that differs from when he was vice president, particularly in the early years of the Obama administration. Absolutely. So how has popular sentiment toward the government and Taiwanese identity been affected by the government's success in controlling COVID? What is the mood on the ground in Taipei, given the relative freedoms and success over COVID? And what role does Taiwanese pride play in that? We already saw a rise in Taiwan, Taiwanese identity before COVID. I was here in January for the presidential elections, which I can hardly believe was the same year because it feels so long ago. And, and there we had seen um, an increase in a lot of pride in being Taiwanese long-term polls that would ask people, do you consider yourself Taiwanese, Chinese, or both? Increasingly, we're showing a Taiwanese-only identity that people felt that that was the way they would describe themselves. And so I think that that is something that predates COVID. It wasn't because of COVID that we've seen a rise of Taiwanese identity. But I do think it has even enhanced it further, and that we have this sense today that there is tremendous reasons to be proud of Taiwan, not only because of the pandemic uh, response, but also because we just had the TIEX, the uh, stock exchange here, finish at its highest level. You've got the economy, considering that it is a pandemic, doing extremely well. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is hunky-dory. Of course, there's still a lot of domestic political uh, turmoil. We've got big debates over things, for example, like pork imports from the United States that contain ractopamine and very strong views about whether that should be allowed. So there are definitely internal divisions. Uh, there are polarized politics. But what you have is a strong, highly functional democracy that is dealing all of, the, all of these issues and I think a, a transparent and, and for the most part, um, healthy manner. Thank you. That was a perfect summary. Um, I heard you on the last program speak about the the problematic um, characterization of reunification between the mainland and Taiwan. To what extent would you say historical narratives on both sides um, surrounding the 1949 separation inform contemporary cross-strait relations? Living in Taiwan, it's easy to get seeped in um, some very complicated historical dates, terminology. And I think sometimes that's, that's hard for people who aren't uh, always thinking in terms of these nuances. So for example, I think one crucial point is that people need to understand that Taiwan has never been controlled by the People's Republic of China. That was established in 1949. And it was before that, that you had the Republic of China, which of course is still the official name here, the Republic of China, parentheses, Taiwan. And then before that, you had a half century of Japanese colonial rule. And so it's a very complicated history. And I would just push back on narratives that have as uh, people in Taiwan being pro-independence without explaining further what that means. I think it's important that people understand that there are people on here and where I am in Taiwan that are pro 
Taiwan sovereignty in the sense that they are pro having this place express itself as an independent state under the name of Taiwan. That's different than the people who I would say are much more pro status quo, who say, yes, we are the Republic of China on Taiwan. There is Taiwan somewhat in the name unofficially, but still anchored in that history. And so, for example, Double Ten Day, October 10th is still celebrated here, and that celebrates the founding of the Republic of China. And that's complicated and it's hard to put into a, a short newspaper article, uh, but certainly living here and having lived in the People's Republic of China, they are very different places and increasingly so. For more interviews, videos, and links to events like this one, visit us at www.ncuscr.org.